welcome to Out of the Blue, the podcast that's more fun than a weekend in Miami with Daryl Strawberry. I'm Jared Stormer, and with me as always is my hetero life mate, Andy Bailey, both of us representing the one and only MazeandBrew.com. Andy, here we sit, early March, the last sports dead period before basketball really takes over, uh, and they'll take over for the rest of the spring, and it seems like it goes on year-round in the NBA. Spring practice has begun in earnest as of this week. NFL free agency is off and running with a lot of splashy moves. And there's spring baseball, for those of you who hate yourselves enough to watch that. Uh, There are sports to be had for those of us desperate enough to go looking. Andy, what's been on your mind? Sports, entertainment, and the other. Uh, You know, I've been watching a little bit of everything here and there, watching all the trades go down. Odell Beckham Jr. is now a Brown, so buy stock in Cleveland. Um, I saw a tweet that described it perfectly, that he's too pretty to live in Cleveland, and I kind of agree. You find Odell Beckham Jr. to be pretty, just to clarify. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just saying. Expand on that. (laughs) (laughs) Good hair, good tattoos, what can I say? All right, he's not for me, but as a player, I'm all about it. And as a pseudo-Cleveland fan, like, yeah, I'm buying stock for sure. Is there a team with more swag in the locker room than the Cleveland Browns right now? Like, there's not enough to go around. No, especially not for, like, under 28-year-old talents. You don't know how old Jarvis Landry is, but I feel like he's just, like, eternally youthful in my eyes. Sure. So he counts. Baker I mean, I mean, Baker has enough swag for us all. Yeah, seriously, he really does for the entire land of Cleveland. Uh, well, he can't be that old because he played with Odell Beckham at LSU. So, what, 28 or something like that probably? Yeah, we'll set, we'll set the cutoff there. I mean, sure. And, and <laughs> Jabril Peppers off to... Off to New York. Yeah, and that's the other part of that, which is very interesting. Um, do you have any strong opinions on that? Any strong feelings on that? Um, I'm glad he's not playing in a Greg Williams system. I would have liked him to see him play in Steve Wilkes' this year. But it'll be interesting to see. Landon Collins had a lot of success, and they seem to be banking on him to replace him. So they've seen something they want. I mean, as much as I trust Dave Gettleman. But I'm, I'm really interested to see him in another system. Maybe we'll play closer to the line, more to his strengths, instead of 25 yards off the ball. He did a lot more of that uh, as the year progressed last year, and he really improved, and his stock was on the rise. So um, I definitely think that New York does see something in him, and they're probably going to expect him to contribute from day one. They also gave up a first and a third. So wasn't cheap, but certainly an interesting trade. Uh, Jabril Peppers moving back closer to home. Hopefully the, the move work out, works out for him, honestly. Um, he's got all the talent in the world. So uh, in the last 12 months, the Giants have gotten rid of Olivier Vernon, uh, Eli Apple, Landon Collins, Damon Harrison, Odell Beckham, and have kept Eli Manning. So interesting choice, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. <laughs> yeah, let's keep Eli Manning. Let's just trade everybody else. And they've gone through another head coach, you know. They got rid of Ben McAdoo last year, and they're on the uh, um, it was Pat Shermer this year, I believe, is their head coach. Nobody knows. So, yeah, I mean, Eli Manning's going to outlast us all, apparently, in there. I think in 2020, they're going to re-up, add some more weapons around him and go for the title again. <laughs> really looking forward to that. Or 2028, maybe. The, de- <laughs> the decrepit, decaying corpse of Eli Manning hobbles out for one last ride into the sunset. That could be a headline from 2013 or 2028. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, and it's crazy that now you talk about the uh, the swag and the potential of the Cleveland Browns and how far and how big of a joke the New York Giants are, but that's why it's an interesting league, and that's why the NFL's still king. Yeah, it really is, and this is, uh, this is a big time for all of them because in a, a kind of dull free agency period with only about maybe 10 good players, I mean, they've really dominated the news cycle the last couple of days, but... I guess this also happens when people like LeBron James aren't making the playoffs. 
Right. We need something else to entertain us. We can only talk about LeBron James drinking wine on the sidelines so often. Although I, I love that level of petty. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. But I mean, you can tell he's drunk in most of these games. <laughs> I would be too. <laughs> Oh man! Speaking of basketball, uh, Big Be- Big Ten basketball tournament uh, is about to kick off. Uh, first games are going to begin tomorrow, but it's uh, Mar- uh, what do we got tomorrow? We've got Nebraska versus Rutgers and Northwestern versus Illinois, which is the basketball equivalent of like Burger King leftovers for dinner. Uh, and then Thursday, Iowa will play winner of Northwestern Illinois. Uh, Maryland will play winner of Nebraska Rutgers, and then your bracket's set. Um, it looks like for Michigan, if everything holds serve, maybe seeing Iowa on Friday, depending on how it all all unfolds. Yeah, this feels like it could be Michigan's revenge tour in basketball right now. Mm. They owe Iowa one for sure after that 15-point beating in Iowa City, so I wouldn't mind welcoming the Hawkeyes one more time. Yeah, I'd be all right with that. Um, you know, other option there would be the winner of the Northwestern Illinois game. Neither one of them really scares me. Um and Michigan State has got an interesting bracket. They're going to play the winner of Indiana-Ohio State, which I think maybe is a bigger upset opportunity. But, um, yeah, so that'll kick off. Uh, Friday will be the real important stuff. If you don't want to watch all the fluff, uh, will you be watching? Oh, of course I'll be watching. I wish I could go to this one. Yeah. I thought about it. I told Anthony to get me a ticket. I'll go there and at least drink with him. But he's got to you know, be professional for one of us. Um, but I've no, this uh, bracket bracket is very interesting to me because if Michigan beats Iowa or the upset winner in Northwestern Illinois, they could face Purdue again, who they've beaten the last two Big Ten tournaments, which Michigan has both won. So you know, maybe it's setting up for them to beat them again and win another Big Ten title because this basketball team needs a little momentum right now. That they do, and how important is this tournament for gaining momentum into the NCAA tourney, in your opinion? It's vital them right now because um, in the Michigan State second half, they experienced what we talked about the week before about the drought. It, it's always not matter if it's coming, it's when it's coming. And Michigan suffered a drought again. Offense looked lost. Jordan Poole just goes missing at huge times when you need him. Iggy Brasdikas tries to get out of his zone a little bit and tries to force things. It doesn't work. Players are standing around. And that just dooms them. That's what allowed Michigan State to pull away. And Michigan has to rectify that before heading into the tournament. Otherwise, they could get upset in the first round. Yeah, no, that that could always happen. God, don't even say it out loud. But to quote Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park, gotta hate being right all the time. He says it as the world is crumbling around him. But we called it that they get into droughts that last longer than Zach Gentry running a 40-yard dash. Um <laughs> And that happened again, and we also called that it's going to have to be Iggy Brasdakis uh, getting all the, the buckets. And give it to the man. He's so villainous that he's about a curly mustache away from tying a woman to the train tracks. But he can't do it on his own as a scorer. Still a little undisciplined, still a freshman, although I think he's a little older. I think he's 19. Um, but still a young guy, still learning. And he's being asked to carry the load offensively. Um, and I don't know that he, he can do that. So we need Charles Matthews back. We need Jordan Poole, who just is not another really not great game from him. He needs to step up. And overall, that just all their players disappear down the stretch. Defensively, Cassius Winston started to take over, um, but they weren't switching. Uh, John Teske looked tired. So, yeah, I agree with you, man. The, the tournament's big. you got to get some of that mojo back. Yeah, it's got to come now because Tom Izzo's getting his mojo back uh, seemingly and I hate that. I hate it so much. But 
he's got his team playing really well. They're getting healthy at the right time of the year. And everything seems to be trending upward for Sparty and down for us. So hopefully Michigan can get, you know, one win back to get us going and then one after another after another and then really turn back on the November magic. Yeah, I agree. And uh, to circle back on the offense, I saw a tweet, and I think Baumgartner was talking about it, about how much this team misses somebody like uh, Abdul Rahman um, and like Charles Matthews, guys that can get their own shot. When when nothing else is working and nobody else is on, guys that can just take the game. And, and we talked about that a little bit last week. Guys that say, you know, enough is enough. I'm, I can at least shoot 40%, so I'm just going to keep shooting volume scores. Um, and when you don't have offense coming from Xavier Simpson and Teske, uh, and Poole's not on, like, uh, you need a guy like that desperately. And I don't think Charles Matthews is quite that, but he's maybe the closest thing we have outside of Iggy. Yeah, you just need a bucket that's not just they settle for a contested jump shot. And I don't understand Jordan Poole's hesitancy or why he isn't more aggressive. I mean, maybe he's battling something we're unaware of, but he just goes missing at times when this team needs somebody offensively. Isaiah Livers tries all he can, but I, he's just more limited offensively than Poole. Poole is so gifted, and I just feel like when we need him most, he's not there. And that can't happen going into the tournament. He has to take on more responsibility. It seems like he maybe had a bad game a while back, and his confidence is rattled because there was some some deep, I mean, there were deep threes that he passed up, um, and it looked like the play was drawn up to him. Um, and everyone else, I mean, no one was hitting anything anyways. And if that's the case, Jordan Poole, take the shot, man. Like, we have just as good a chance of you jacking up a three as we do, of you know, Xavier Simpson getting one after we've passed it around the perimeter for, you know, 18 seconds. <laughs> exactly. So I, I don't understand the hesitation. Or just, just pull it. It's okay. Like, if you miss, you're just going to do what everybody else is doing right now. Right. No one else is making anything. And I'd like to see him try and get to the rim. I'd like to see – he has incredible ball handling skills. He's not Kyrie Irving. But, I mean, he can really create some separation. I'd like to see him do that to create some space, maybe drive in, um, try and draw some more fouls. But – Either way, he's got to be more aggressive. Whatever it is, Jordan Poole, if we're going to make any type of run, uh, we need him. Yeah, and I think we'll touch on this uh, further as we go. Jordan Poole's only attempting uh, just under two and a half free throws a game. That's yeah. not aggressive. I mean, no. you that's just easy buckets. That's a way to break slumps. This whole team just needs to be getting to work and to get to the free throw line and do that. I think that's what Charles Matthews provides, somebody that's aggressive enough to get inside the paint, create a shot close to the rim, and at least he just, he's just a scrapper. He's going to get in there and try to make some stuff happen. And the rest of this team just uh, tries to finesse too much. you got to get a little dirty in these. You don't need pretty buckets. Right. And with him driving or if Poole's driving and somebody's getting into the lane and, and drawing fouls, that's going to open things up for your Teske threes and your Xavier Simpson threes. And that's when Michigan becomes really tough to deal with is when you've got guys other than Iggy Brazdakis uh, and Charles Matthews scoring on you and dropping threes. You know, if you if you've got Isaiah Livers, who I think is actually their highest three point shooting you know, percentage wise, um, but he, I mean I don't think he's a volume scorer necessarily from three. No. So I'm uh, I'm going to be watching closely in this tournament. Um, Charles Matthew should definitely wait until he's ready to go. Obviously, the the eyes are on the bigger prize here. Um, but at the same time, momentum is huge, especially with this team. We've seen it in the last couple of years. These tournament runs have really propelled them into the NCAA attorney. Yeah, I mean, this, I mean, you could go back to just one big run off the top of my head is the infamous Kimba Walker run, where they were just, you know, an average, middle-of-the-pack, mediocre team, and then turned it on the Big East tournament, and they ran that thing all the way to the championship. I mean, this is the time of the year when the hot team can win it all. 
or you get the you know the Loyolas going all the way to the Final Four, or wherever it's like one one win can really spark a run here, and Michigan needs to begin that on the right foot. Yep, get that first win, and then just move on, and that's the way to do it in the tournament. And nobody knows more about that than John Beeline. He'll get these guys ready. It's time to get that winning mentality. You just hope they didn't peak too early. Um, but the, the, the really, you know, transcendent offensive performances have been few and far between of late. So we'll see where they're at, where their headspace is at, where they're at physically. And the way it's looking right now, top four seeds coming down to some combination of Gonzaga, uh, maybe two teams from the ACC and one from the SEC. So that would look like maybe Virginia, North Carolina, uh, Kentucky Duke or Kentucky Tennessee, something like that for your number one seeds. Yeah, ACC could have three realistically. That's crazy if Duke yeah. gets back in the mix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they need Zion for that, and I don't know that that's going to happen. I wouldn't if I were him. But He's coming back. He's playing the AC tournament. Oh, is he really? Yep. Where have I been? Apparently, just Yeah, I'm out, announced immediately after the game. I don't think he was that injured. It's just kind of like, Zion, get your rest. We're about to go on a run. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and why would you, man? But at the same time, there's no way you could sit me out of the NCAA tournament either. Like, yeah, and the fact that you, you mean, these guys have been your best friends since August when you moved into campus together, and it's like, you just want to play basketball with them. It's fun. Yeah, so I think we can be in agreement that there is a difference between sitting out a bowl game and sitting out the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, I mean, there are differences to be had. Yep, I agree 100%. In um, football, when you sit out a bowl game, you're not going to go play pickup football outside. If you sit out a basketball game, you're going to be playing in open gyms. Like, you just play basketball year-round. You don't play football year-round. It's true. There's leagues in my neighborhood where 55-year-old guys go out and play basketball, and they're not too worried about getting injured. Granted, the speed is, well, we'll just say less intense, but... It's like watching Boris Diaw, you know? <laughs> Boris Diaw. Is he still in the league? No, he play, He went over to France. I think he has a rap career. He's actually, like, odd, like kind of like... An entrepreneur, like he has his hand, like a little different. Everything. It's kind of like a mogul in France, I believe. I might be making all this up, but I believe I'm right. That really sounds made up. Is he also like a brilliant art thief? I guess. Well, Ty Law runs a trampoline company in the northeastern <laughs> United States. This so is the plot for anything Ocean's. Anything is possible. <laughs> this is the plot for Ocean's Twelve. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh man! So for Michigan, uh, the way their outlook right now, best win was versus number seven North Carolina. At this point, um, they have eight what they call Q one, I guess quadrant one wins. Um, so that's tied for fourth best nationally. Duke, Wisconsin, Mississippi State. Um, so they would probably, if if they win the Big Ten tournament, best case scenario would be a two. More than likely, looking at a three seed. Yeah, I think either one of those is yeah. fine. I'd like to see him win the Big Ten at least and get a two, though. I feel yeah. I just like the road better for the two. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a better road. and there's <laughs> some, You don't want to be necessarily the number one. Everyone's gunning for the one. But the number two, you know, fly under the radar for a little bit. Nothing wrong with being number two when it comes to a seed. It's okay. Not for a seed, you know. It's just in the finish where that matters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, any chance we see another 16-1 upset this year? Uh, no. The answer is no. I mean, it hadn't happened up until that point. Uh, the odds against it were something astronomical. They won by 20, though. People forget. Yeah, they beat the brakes off beat of Virginia. Beat the brakes off. In Virginia's defense, they were missing their best player who's back this season, Justin Hunter. Yeah, Justin Hunter's the real deal. But uh, there's no excuse for getting beat by a 16 seed. It probably won't happen again in our lifetime unless there's some like astronomical change to the game. Yeah, I absolutely agree. But teams like Virginia always make it tough, though, when you – play limited possession games it's like 
if you go cold shooting, it's very tough to come back from. So that's true. Yeah. And basketball is, is a game where like on any given night, like if you just grind with them and keep it close, anything can happen towards the end. You just need one or two breaks to go your way. Yeah. It's not like Alabama's playing Georgia Southern. They're going to get beat because they can just overpower and run the ball over them. But if you're playing a small Georgia Southern school in basketball and they can just hit all kinds of crazy threes, Things can happen. Interesting comparison. So you think it's harder for an FB, FBS team to get upset by, or say Alabama to get upset by, like Georgia Southern, than it would be for another 16 seed to upset a number one? Which one's more likely to happen? Uh, depends. I mean, it obviously depends like on the circumstances, but I think the chances for the greater upsets are always in basketball than football. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but at the same time, that Appalachian State-Michigan game, I was there. I don't recollect anything from the year 2000. <laughs> I don't believe so. that happened. We're doing some revisionist history here. Yeah, that wasn't there. Their first game was against Oregon that year. Didn't fare too well either. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but at least that can be accepted. That was the start of a run for Oregon. Yeah. 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 But uh, anything else on basketball before we get into our true bread and butter? Talk some spring competition? No, man. I'm ready for the... I'm ready for the Big Ten tournament. I'm full in the basketball mode, but I'm ready to revisit just a, a little bit of football since spring practice begins this weekend, too. We are full into basketball mode, but let's talk some football on March 12th. I, I'm with you, my friend. Uh, but first, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk some spring practice competition. All right, and we are back. Talk a little spring competition for you, uh, which is an exercise that I really enjoyed getting ready for because you look over this roster and uh, you exclude all of the incoming freshmen that aren't enrolling early, and you just kind of look up and down and get an early idea what things are going to be looking at, looking like. And at first, I didn't really think there was a lot opening up. You know, I thought about the defense and all of the talent that we're losing there, but there is a lot of competition. Uh, next year and uh, I want to start it right at the top where there is competition I thought long and hard about this the quarterback position what do you think is this a competition going into the spring no wow expand on that (laughs) 100% lock it's going to be Shea Patterson Um, especially in this offense that favors him and his gunslinging style he like almost perfected at Ole Miss um, yeah, it's going to be him. I wish I could say there's going to be a competition because I'm not the biggest Shea Patterson guy. I've really kind of uh, taken a step back from that. I'm full of the Dylan McCaffrey train, but no, with this offense, Josh Gaddis, this is the Shea Patterson show. Everyone else is completing for second string and cleanup snaps. Yeah, I, I do agree with you that it is Shea Patterson's job, but I disagree. I think it is a competition. There's no way you cannot allow this to be an open competition with that kind of talent on the team. And Harbaugh has said that it's a you know it's an open competition at every position, no matter what your status. There's no way he's going to do that at the most important position when you've got a guy challenging in Dylan McCaffrey that looks like he could be bound for NFL stardom uh, if given the opportunity, and he needs to put on about 10 pounds. Um, also, Christian McCaffrey has adopted the, the Twitter handle RunCMC. I would assume we are his main influences here, but that's not the point of this rant. Yeah, we'll, we'll take our royalties later, Christian. Yeah, I mean, I just need like a quarter every time it's said. Nothing major. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, to your point, I think Harbaugh will say that it's a competition. I, I just don't think there's any way Shea Patterson's losing the reins in this team. I can't imagine that either. He's proven to be a leader. Um, he's the most effective quarterback we've had since like Drew Henson. I mean, I would put him honestly above Chad Henney. Maybe not as a deep ball thrower. But as an overall quarterback, I would I would take Shea Patterson over 
Chad Henney starting my team. Um, so, yeah, you're right. He's not going to lose the job. But at the same time, man, is there so much talent in that room. And then I, I hear the, the term legacy-leaving talent for a guy like Joe Milton. I don't know where I heard that. Probably from like the friend of a friend on Twitter. And it was his uncle that muttered it drunkenly after a couple bush lights. But the fact that remains that his ceiling, it doesn't exist. So there's yeah. just so much talent there that I there has to be an open competition. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm sure they'll say something. Um, I, I would still take Chad Henney over uh, Shea Patterson for us, especially junior year Chad Henney. But um, in Shea Patterson's defense, he really didn't get to play the offense he was the most comfortable in this past year. It was very up and down between pro style, read spread option, and never really just never really seemed completely comfortable at times. Like they do some things really well, they take it away from him, pull him back in, let him go. So I really want to see what Josh Gaddis can do with him before I really put my final judgments onto him. But I think no matter what, just off experience alone, he deserves the first snap of the season and see what he can do in this kind of offense. Clemson benched, benched uh, Kelly Bryant for Trevor Lawrence. When the talent cannot be denied, which you have two guys behind him where the talent cannot be denied, sometimes, I mean, you just have no choice. I'm not saying yeah, it's going Kelly, to happen. Kelly Bryant couldn't throw the ball 30 yards accurately, though. No, that's true, but maybe Josh Gaddis decides that Shea Patterson's deep balls are not quite deep enough, and the one thing that's keeping them from being an explosive offense is a deep ball. And that's the one thing I would say Shea Patterson lacks. He does not have that Baker Mayfield deep ball. No, oh, I'm hey, I'm with you on that one. I, I completely agree. He doesn't. So if, if, if Josh Gaddis says something like that, we need a bigger arm over here to take over, maybe get him some reps, I'm for that. Yeah. But just with Shea Patterson's proven experience, leadership, chemistry with everybody, I think it's, it's got to be him because Harbaugh likes talent, and talent does win out, but um, having his trust is over everything. And he'll go with a guy like that, like he stuck with Brandon Peters for so long. Hey, Brandon Peters is still on the team, by the way. Shocked to hear that. That is shocking. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, he'd be at Wisconsin now, especially since Hornybrook went to Florida State. We've been saying it. I kind of wanted it to happen and then just bat, do battle with a resurgent Brandon Peters. It would have been a nice story, but he probably would have been better than Alex Hornybrook. You're right. Yeah, I was really sad to see Alex Hornybrook leave the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. Um, and you hit the nail on the head. I was more playing devil's advocate that it should be, and I, and I do believe that, that it should mm. be an open competition. I, I stick by that. Um, but I do believe it'll be Shea Patterson, and I think the one thing you didn't mention and the reason he'll win is decision-making. Yeah. I mean, you kind of said that that kind of all is in there with leadership and everything, but I think that's the one thing he brings to the table, and just the other guys haven't really had the reps, so it's not a knock on them. They need the reps to get in there and, and be in the game action to really know what, what do you do in situational football. Um, so Shea Patterson will win it. I'm totally fine with that. Um, we'll move forward with that. If anything happens to him, God forbid, um, we're in great shape at that position. Uh, but let's move on. Cade McNamara is enrolling early, so technically part of the competition. For now, just the best quarterback name on the team. Yeah, is Mike Sessa still around? Is sure he... is. Isn't he like 6'11 or something? Like 7'4"? Uh, he might be, you know, scoping out power lines from the ground floor, but he's yeah. not doing much else besides that. Framing. I say that he's probably going to be some really successful civil engineer. Yeah, I was design gonna say, like, like he's there to design buildings. Yeah, he doesn't have time to worry about handing off and reverse pivoting. <laughs> what is that? I have cities to build, sir. <laughs> sir. <laughs> Back to my book on design. Geometry. Just has that uh, behind the playbook, just checking things out. Like, man, Hans Carl Mandel really knew what he was doing in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man all right well moving on to uh one of the more interesting ones i don't necessarily know if it's the most interesting position battle that will start this spring running back position what are your thoughts on this oh man i love it um everything's been shaken up since the incumbent chris evans was just um basically dismissed from the team due to academic problems he'll be back in the fall i almost guarantee that yeah but this makes the spring awesome kurt taylor's gone hard work is defeated uh, Omari Samuels is just not a good person, you know, good luck in life. Um, True Wilson, Christian Turner, Zach Charbonnet, it's a three-headed battle, and I have no idea where this is going to go. I don't have the slightest go. I don't know what Charbonnet looks like at this level yet. Christian Turner is explosive in limited time. True Wilson is just like a reliable 4.5 yards every carry, hard worker. I have no idea. I'm fine with either one. I like tend to favor the mysterious, what I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Christian Turner or True Wilson starting at the beginning of the season. Okay, I'm going to make you make a, a claim on who starts game one, but I won't do it now. But okay. yeah, I'm with you. I love it. I love not knowing. It's a lot like dating a girl with daddy issues. It's both exciting and horrifying at the same time, uh, and I'm here for it. It's right up my alley. Uh, it's exciting because the amount of talent that's there is so much higher than it's been in the past. I mean, every one of these guys is so much more explosive than, say, a Davion Smith or even a Karan Higdon, who I love and is the best running back we've had since. He's better than Fitz Toussaint, so you got to go back to like Chris Perry and those guys. Mike Hart. Mike Hart. Yeah, you got to go back to those guys. Like to find like, and that he's been the best since. That these guys have more potential. That's the exciting part. The horrifying part is there's almost zero experience aside from True Wilson, who's the least explosive with the lowest ceiling. Um, so I'm, I'm watching this one very closely. Um, True Wilson, I, I could see him starting day one, uh, just because he can be trusted. And he, he really impressed. I mean, for limited athleticism, he gets every yard that he possibly can. He's very decisive, and uh, I'll go back to trust again, because that's going to get him on the field, guaranteed. Uh, whether he remains the starter... I don't know. The talent behind him is is extremely strong. Um, so I think I think Christian Turner plays a bunch game one. And yeah, I think if, it's, if, if we're just going straight to game one, I'm still putting my money on Chris Evans. I still think Chris Evans can sit sure. out the entire spring, summer, and come back in and get his starting job back with experience and everything else. But if you had to tell me to pick of these three just to pick a starter, I think I'm leaning Christian Turner a little bit. Yeah. I just – I feel like he's seen some action. Harbaugh seems to be uh, um, really getting a feel for him. I want to see how the running back position evolves under a new offense. Yeah, I like that. That's interesting. Um, speed in space, you know, and Chris Evans, for the love of God, we are the biggest proponents of using Chris Evans out of the backfield that may be on the planet. It's going to be etched into my gravestone. They're gonna, they're... <laughs> he should have been catching swing passes. <laughs> My family mourning over migration. I don't know why he wanted to get. The, he insisted on that. <laughs> he just really, really liked the running back out of the backfield. Really, really wanted Chris Evans to be utilized more out of the backfield. I don't know what it was about, but uh, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, I could easily see that, but man, that wouldn't be very exciting. True, uh, Wilson and and Chris Evans on day one. Uh, I'm hoping for Christian Turner's X Charbonnet because I'm always a fan of the new shiny new toy. Um, but you're probably right. Christian Turner's going to play early on. Um, he'll probably be the first guy that's not named True Wilson or Chris Evans to touch the ball. But I would imagine by like week four, Zach Charbonnet is getting more touches. 
Yeah, this time next week, I mean, everything could change. We could hear one rumor from the first week of spring practice and be like, all right, Zach Charbonnet, Heisman Trophy. Right? <laughs> they could be like, Hassan Haskins is the greatest thing since Leonard Fournette. Like, it could happen, even though he's listed as a linebacker right now. Please move him back to running back. Just give us that wrecking ball back there. Yeah, right. Yeah, but wait till yeah, build him up as a linebacker and then move him back. We already have Ben Mason, but once we get to linebackers, you'll see why we don't do that. <laughs> Who has a better juke move, Ben Mason or Zach Gentry? Uh, it's Ben Mason, hundred and ten percent. He's so much more athletic than Zach Gentry. <laughs> I don't know. I watched Ben Mason try to juke for a yard and a half one time and just fall over. Yeah. That's true, but he could probably headbutt his way through like a steel vault. So he's but got could the... he play quarterback? Well, we're going to find out when we take over the team. <laughs> it's the first thing we're doing. Ben Mason, Carlo Kemp in the backfield. Oh, God. All right. We digress again. Um, take us to our next position battle. One I feel is very sneaky. There could be some movement here, although it seems like it could be chalk. Um, offensive tackle. Juwan Bushel-Beatty is gone at right tackle. He's off to the NFL. He skipped the uh, bowl game so he could prepare, I guess. Um, Andrew Stuber started the end of the season there. Former backup. Your boy James Hudson is gone. Yeah. Nolan Elizio is a pit panther. Um, so what do you think? Is it going to be Andrew Stuber continuing on, or are they going to move our all Big Ten, first team Big Ten, John Runyon to right tackle? Move May- Jalen Mayfield to left, move Mayfield to right. What's going to happen? What do you think is going down? Yeah, I would have to say definitely one of the most interesting groups here because there's a lot that you can do. There's some talent coming in, but it's not deep. Uh, definitely not a lot of experience. You would have loved to have landed a Juco transfer here, but uh, you're looking at Andrew Stuber at right tackle right now who struggled against Ohio State and Florida, but that's to be expected. Uh, you're going against... Nick Bo or Nick Bosa didn't play, but you're going against Jakai Polite and a couple other NFL guys in that Ohio State line. Um, that's to be expected, but there's some other options here. Uh, maybe Mayfield takes left and kicks Runyon to right tackle. That's kind of what I would like to see. That means Mayfield earned it and he's more built for the left tackle position. Runyon would be an excellent right tackle. Um, or maybe Andrew Stuber just wins it at right and, and Runyon stays at left. That would work. Maybe Mayfield wins it at right. So. Those are probably your your major options here. Um, as far as prediction, I'm going to say Andrew Stuber starts game one. I'm with you. I think uh, Stuber game one at right. I think John Runyon at left, especially seeing Grant Newsom situations, you're always a play away, and this uh, the tackles can't afford that. So I think having Mayfield on the bench, he didn't burn his red shirt last year, so this is just his freshman season now. Has some time to rest, not really rushed into anything. So, yeah, and, I mean, John Runyon was first-team All-Big Ten. I mean, he was incredible last season at left tackle. I mean, besides the first game of the year, which we eviscerated him for. <laughs> but we welcomed the crow we had to eat after that because he was fantastic. Always do. Uh, he still, if he feels a little undersized to the left, but he holds his own. And, I, I mean, I would love to see Jalen Mayfield get on the field, but I understand if they just want to keep him at left and have him back up Runyon right now. Yeah, theoretically, Stuber could take left and uh, Runyon goes right, too, if Stuber takes a big jump. I think physically, he and Mayfield weren't that far off last year. So I think physically, you could expect to see them good to go this year. Another year under, uh, oh my God, how can I not remember our wonderful offensive line coach right now? 
please bail me out. Right. Oh, Ed Warner. Thank sorry. you, for God's sakes. Why was I thinking Greg Fry? He just got fired. Yeah, sorry, Greg. Sorry, Greg, but you're not our concern right now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, those guys could easily take a jump. John Runyon, man, the turnaround he made last year. Um, so I think another year in the system. I, I, I'm hoping that the position looks pretty good um, week one. And Jack Stewart, the lowest rate of the tackles, is the only guy enrolling early. you got a couple other freshmen, actually quite a few really good freshman tackle recruits. Um, but that's asking a lot of a true freshman. So, Yeah, I think we're best. And where we keep coming back to is trust. Harbaugh can trust J uh, John Runyon Jr. And he can right now he can trust Stuber. We've only seen Mayfield in mop-up action right now. So with just the Ohio State and bowl game under his belt, Stuber's more quit, more experienced because he's had to block stud defensive ends from Ohio State. He had to block polite, which he didn't do much of in the bowl game. No. But he's at least seen some of the elite of the elite pass rushers, and I think that just pays dividends going into 2019. It does. And uh, there was one game last year. There was a couple games the second units got in, but the entire second unit of the offensive line got in and stoned their men on like three consecutive plays, and Mayfield just stood his guy up, and he really stood out. Um, so the talent, I believe, is there with Mayfield. The hype was there early on. Um, I don't think that came from nowhere. Um, so he could easily take a leap, but I think you're absolutely right. So uh, we'll see what happens with tackle. That'll be very important. Um, that's a key cog here. Tight end is another one that maybe is a competition. What do you think here? Um, I think number one and number two spots are pretty much locked up, but I really feel like some of these other guys could take some snaps. Yeah, this is this is a pretty big battleground because I think the tight end position could be featured very much in this new offense. Um, our Zach Gentry, our favorite punchline, is now off to the NFL. Um, Sean McEwen, Nick Eubanks, Mustafa Muhammad, uh, freshman Eric All, uh, perennial blocker Nate. Always can't pronounce his last name. Skolnitz. Shanley. Shanley. Yeah, not spelled that way. I hate everything. Um, but no, I'm going with Nick Eubanks. I love him as a receiver. He's gotten better as a blocker, and I think he could be used, fe I mean, just featured in this offense over the middle and in seam routes. Uh, Sean McEwen is an outstanding blocker, um, but he does have some stone hands and always tends to drop the pass we most need him to catch. So for me, as long as Nick Eubanks can stay healthy, I'd like to see him get the start coming out of, or at least have the lead going into fall ball coming out of the spring. Yeah, that's interesting. I just kind of viewed him as more of a receiving tight end, but you're right. He did get better as the year went along as a blocker, so you can trust him out there a little bit more. Uh, you're going to see both of them out there a lot. You're probably going to still see two tight end sets. Um, Nick Eubanks is a, is a mismatch for sure as a receiver, um, but there's definitely room, like I said, for some other guys to show up. Luke Schoonmaker just seems like an inline Jim Harbaugh tight end. Like I, You can just guarantee he's going to be at least productive. With that last name, under the radar, I'm sure right now he's taking his mom out to church and like helping an elderly woman across the road. Um, he, he's he's going to be good. And then Mustafa Muhammad, um, a guy that you and I have both been high on, if nothing for nothing else than the name, uh, right now looks like just physically more of a pass catcher. Uh, we'll see how he comes into this spring, but he's going to have a chance this spring. He could really put himself into a position, like you said, with this new offense to become a, a, a featured weapon. Yeah, because when Nick Eubanks is healthy, he's always making plays, I feel like. Like, Patterson went to him a couple times this season for touchdowns, big plays. 
gets open. He's a hard mismatch. Reminds me a little bit of Devin Funchess in his way. Mm -hmm. Just like you said, with the predominant receiving threat. So, yeah, if they're going to use him a lot, like the way Alabama used tight ends like O.J. Howard, um, yeah, I mean, I, don't, I think O.J. Howard was even there when Gaddis was there, but still the same concepts of using the tight end in a pro formation. So, yeah, I would love to see Eubanks out there because I've broken too many things over Sean McEwen, and I just want my living room to, you know, stay together. <laughs> For the sake of your living room. Well, I think it should be an improvement overall, the tight ends room, over the dial-up of, in, of internet of tight ends that is Zach Gentry. Um it should all be, uh, you know, a little bit better of a room, a lot more talent, some infusion of some young guys. Here's an interesting one. Is this a competition? Slot receiver, Oliver Martin versus Ronnie Bell. Uh, versus Giles. Uh, yeah, for right now, yeah, I think it absolutely is a competition. And going further with Giles Jackson, all those guys coming in, I think that spot, the Grant Perry spot, is up for grabs for a lot of people right now. I think everyone, Michael Barrett of the world, I think a lot of people are gunning for this position. Um, I want to I want to favor Oliver Martin in this. I, I like Oliver Martin a lot. Actually, no, screw that, Andy. I like Ronnie Bell a lot. I was just thinking of that catch <laughs> against Maryland. Who do you like a lot? Just, I'm, I'm going Lee Corso on us right now. I'm not even 30. Um <laughs> I'm going uh, Ronnie Bell. I, he showed a lot this freshman year. He had a key end. McCaffrey especially had outstanding chemistry on some plays. They had one of my favorite plays of the season. Threw him a late touchdown, I believe, against Nebraska, the game we were at. And then the catch I just referenced against Maryland when he was coming across the field. And Patterson threw it beautifully, seemingly right at the safety. And Ronnie Bell jumps in front of it, snags it, scores, and go to halftime. Um I just think he has some explosion we need. Martin's a very good possession guy, but I like the explosion that Ronnie Bell provides. It really, I mean, speaks to speed and space. I love it. I love everything that you're saying, except I would petition to name it the Jeremy Gallon spot rather than the Grant Perry spot. But other than that, everything you said was spot on. Didn't Jeremy Gallon one time have like 300 yards receiving in a game? It was absurd. I was playing college fantasy that year, and I had him and Devin Gardner. I never lost. Never lost. Never lost. Undefeated. Lost. <laughs> um, I agree with you. This is most definitely a competition, and it's one that I think is going to be big in the spring because you got two young guys that are both hungry that want touches in an offense where there's just wide receiver talent everywhere. We just covered the tight ends. There's talent there. Are there going to be enough balls to go around? And there's probably not enough balls for both slot receivers to have big impacts. Uh, one of them is going to be relegated to late game, but Ronnie Bell really stood out. You're absolutely right. Um, but Oliver Martin also had some catches that were more impressive, like as far as just the, the hands that he showed. Now, if he can put it all together, he seems plenty athletic, um, but he also had some drops, so inconsistency. But I don't want to use the typical white guy comparison, but after what you just watched Julian Edelman do in the Super Bowl, and he just doesn't miss anything. He goes up, he high points it, and Oliver Martin could be that. He can. He's like a plucker. Um, but I agree, Ronnie Bell, a little bit more athletic, and I really hate that this is the way that the comparison went because it seems so literally black and white. Um, but but you're right, Ronnie Bell has got some explosion, former basketball player, kind of under-recruited, but I'm excited about his potential. I kind of think I'm going to go the opposite way and say Oliver Martin trots out there first. Now let's focus on the outside receivers. Who are the best two receivers on this team? It's a no-holds-barred question right there. Uh, I'm going to go Donovan Peoples-Jones for sure. I think just balance, athleticism, 
Um, he really showed to be consistent, too. I mean, he was on the field a ton. Playmaker. Number two, I'm going to go Tariq Black. Uh, fewer opportunities this year than Nico Collins, but when he's on the field, he just absolutely flashes. He can dominate. I think he's a little faster than Nico Collins, um, maybe a little more polished in his route running. Um, but, man, that's a tough one, though. Like, it feels, like, sacrilegious to leave Nico Collins off that. Yeah, it was a loaded question to begin with. Um, frankly, I think this team should play 11 personnel with one running back, one tight end, and three stud receivers out there. Yeah. Um, but knowing Harbaugh, they're going to play 22 a lot. And two receivers I love to, in my opinion, the best are Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins because the best ability is availability. And Nico Collins is healthy big-bodied bully that can really offset DPJ's quickness, explosion, and everything else. I feel like he's a good complement. And maybe I'm just saying that because I haven't seen enough of Tariq Black in basically two years. I mean, we've had such a small sample size. And in the Florida game, his freshman year, he really showed what he could do. But I just haven't seen enough of that for me to, to elevate him right now above Nico Collins. But this is a triumvirate, and they are coming at teams this season. And I think Josh Gaddis is the most – I think no one's more excited for Josh Gaddis than Tariq Black. Uh, what was that word you used? Triumvirate? Triumvirate. Oh, I am going to Google that later. You better believe it. <laughs> um, well, it is a triumvirate uh, because what a good problem to have. I'm assuming that's what that means. It is a, an absolute absurdity of riches at the wide receiver position. And as far as, like, the better, like – fit, I think you're absolutely right. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins is a really great compliment for one another, especially since we don't have the sample size to know exactly what Tariq Black is yet. You're absolutely right about that. But towards the end of the season, when he was trying to fit back into the offense, they didn't give him many opportunities. But when they did, they targeted him twice. One of them was called back. But he absolutely dominated. He completely, like, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, I'm a man, you're a boy. I'm taking this from you. He did it twice towards the end of the year when he was healthy. When healthy, his speed, his explosion, route running, and the fact that he's a more just pure wide receiver, I'm going to go get it. He's got seriously, like he reminds me of like maybe a Marvin Harrison type of guy, like just an all-around wide receiver. Obviously, that's a, you know an all-pro, Hall of Famer, uh, maybe an A.J. Green then. If you like that. That's a steep comparison for a guy who's seen play four games. <laughs> you can say what you want. I am all aboard the Tariq Black chain train. I have been on board since day one, and I will remain on board. Right I in feel the... like the line you used to describe him bullying people is how you steal women from other men. You're a boy. I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried that. It it doesn't work. <laughs> Thankfully for our receivers, it does. Yeah, because I'm not 6'3", 220 with elite athleticism, so it won't work that way. But but he has it. And you're right, you're right. He's just one of those guys that I've always been a fan of for no reason whatsoever, and I'm going to keep riding that because the, I really pull for Tariq Black. I respect it. And, oh, speaking of guys we ride for, how are we going to shortchange our guy that got snaps against Ohio State in the battle for slot receiver? Jacob McFlurry. Like, <laughs> That's I, your boy. That is your dude. <laughs> I've never said anything <laughs> about him. No one yelled louder for that kid at the big house than me when he was on the field. I was aware. People looked at you like you were a lunatic, and I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, I mean, I mean, at least fan. my question was, you know, came after, like, the collective 110,000 people went, who? <laughs> Whom like, is that? <laughs> who is this player? Um, I have one last good offensive position battle to ask you. I call it the battle that should not be a battle, 
but it seems like it's going to be a battle. Battle. Jake Moody and Quinn Nordine. I knew it. I knew it was coming. Look, Quinn Nordine <laughs> kicks like my elderly paraplegic great aunt drives. And that's not well. Uh, if I have to see one more kick rocketed at the back of a lineman's head, I'm just I'm going to use battery acid for Visine. Um, I will not. I refuse to watch another Quinn Nordine kick. If he comes out, if he trots out, that's fine. I'm going to pick up smoking again and just walk out on the patio, and you can let me know via text. <laughs> Now, if Quinn Nordine, if I have to watch him start next season, to promise the fans and listeners at least a 20-minute pod of me ranting with a PowerPoint presentation accompanying this, of everything that's wrong with this. Like, I will just go berserk if I have to see him out there. In two years, okay, he's missed four extra points. He's missed ten kicks. <laughs> he's mi- he missed five kicks in both years. But he did. He missed five more this past season with eight less attempts. He's getting worse. Like, he's no, he's like decomposing as a kicker. <laughs> I don't want him out there when it matters. Of course not. He, and he celebrates like he's Cuba Gooding Jr. winning the best supporting actor nod every time he hits an extra point. So, I mean, oh, it's, it, it's not worth it. It's not worth my time. No, it's outrageous. Your hair, like, when you're. When your shower shoes are dirty and you're just playing in the minor leagues, you look like a bum. When they're dirty and you're in the major leagues, you're colorful. Bull Durham. Beautifully said. Not by you, by Kevin Costner, but regardless, it's beautifully said. Um, All right. Well, with that, uh, we pretty well thoroughly covered the offense. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll come back and talk defense. And we're back. Moving on now from the offense, time to talk some of the defensive battles that will be going on this spring, and uh, there are a lot of them. Like I said before, uh, the defense definitely jumps off the page as needing a lot of talent to be replaced. Uh, We already discussed who's going to the NFL. You guys know the names by now. They're all big ones. Um, And then there's, you know, some less big ones as well, but there's a lot of battles to be had here. Uh, let's start at the defensive end, where you lose two bookends, two of the most productive guys, well, one of the most productive guys and one of the most talented guys uh, to ever wear the maize in blue. You can't really hope to spell uh, their talent, but you hope to spell their production. Uh, let's talk about the defensive end position and who's competing there. Um, I mean, this is a who's who. This is a plethora of riches for us right here. Uh, Quiddy Pay, Aiden Hutchinson, Josh Uche. He's actually probably going to be in two position battles. Freshman David Ojabo is already on campus. Luigi Villain, transfer Mike Dana. Mm. I mean, take your pick. I mean, you can convince me of any combination, maybe besides the true freshman. But if you put out Aiden Hutchinson and Josh Uche, not going to fight you. Put out Quiddy Payne Hutchinson, I'm fine. But um, for me, I think coming out of the spring and coming out of the fall, it'll be Quiddy Pay on one side and Mike Dana, the transfer on the other. I like that. Um, so let's break it down kind of how it was last year. And you corrected me on this earlier. Weak side defensive end was mostly Winovich. Like you said, they switched a lot. But they, he would probably list, be listed as the weak side defensive end and Gary was strong side? Yes. Okay, so previously the year before you had Wormley and then on the other side was Gary. So your strong side defensive end, you want a little bit bigger guy. That's probably Quiddy Pay. Uh, I would say is probably, but Aiden Hutchinson makes a lot of sense in that role as well. A guy that could really make some strides this spring. He's freaking gigantic. I mean, I've been inside of Volvos that were smaller. Um, So he's, he's got a lot of potential. Luigi Villain, one of the all name teams, uh, all name guys on the team. 
he's a guy that I've been pulling for since day one. We haven't seen him on the field at all, um, but he could definitely be a wild card this spring. If he's going to come on, I would actually expect it to be this spring, and he would be a guy I'd say keep your eye on this spring. But I say that. I think I've said that when I was like 15 years old. So, um, Luigi Villain's biggest kryptonite is just staying healthy. If he can stay healthy, everything we've ever heard about him is just dominance. Hear about hurt all last spring. Like Luigi Villain is coming on. Get your stock ready. But he always gets hurt. So I, I just don't know if he's durable enough to get through an entire game, let alone a season. I mean, I hope so. Because, I mean, seems like a great kid. So I, I really hope he gets a, we get to see him at least once or twice this season. Uh, there's no Reuben Jones anymore. So <laughs> maybe he can take some snaps there as a backup or reserve at least. Reuben Jones sounds like the lead actor in the most B-list of B-list movies. I forgot that was a guy on the team, but uh, uh, yeah, so very good point about Villain there. Just needs to stay healthy, and there's so much other talent here. So Josh Uche is going to play. Um, I mean, if he's coming off the bench, he's not going to be waiting long until he's seeing the field. Too much talent, too much speed. He's a pure pass rusher. If he develops his game more and can hold the edge against the run, um, he'll see the field more and could be like a all Big Ten type of talent. Quiddy Pay could be an all Big Ten type of talent. Mike Dana is a big wild card, though. Super productive at Central Michigan. I think you're right. I think he sees the field immediately. Yeah, he was way too productive. He's way too efficient at stopping the run, getting to the quarterback. I mean, his, his stats were just absurd in the MAC last season. And he's ready to win. That's why he came to Michigan. He got tired of celebrating one win a year. Sorry to our CMU colleague alumni, um, but yeah, he's a he's a wild card. And Aiden Hutchinson starting like you touched on cannot be understated because he said he is a behemoth of a human being. He makes the Colossus of Rhodes look small. Might be his nickname next year. Like he is just a Colossus of a person. And like I said, a freshman last year played really well. Yeah, is um, only going to get better from here. Quiddy Pay as well. Um, as far as Uche, it seems like he might be getting pushed to linebacker out of necessity, though. Could happen. Yeah, I could see that. We'll touch on the linebackers, but I could easily see that happening. But yeah, Hutchinson's going to see the field. Was that against Nebraska that he had that uh, really heads-up play where it ended up in a safety? Was that the uh, game we were there? I think so. I think it was a game where yeah. I remember one time he killed somebody on my like, <laughs> interception man. return. He I think it was SMU or something. He just killed him. Well, luckily his father's rich and gigantic, so he should be afforded protection. <laughs> the only person that can protect Aiden Hutchinson is Steve father. Hutchinson. Yeah, I saw yeah. him. I saw him tailgating at a game once, and like he was only slightly smaller than the RV he came in. <laughs> yeah, he drugged that in. It's like a, it's like a wagon. <laughs> That's just for storing his meat. <laughs> Just goes in there and throws a slab down with open flame. <laughs> like a Viking warrior. Yeah, that's Steve Hutchinson, so I assume that's Aiden Hutchinson too. But yeah, I'm high on him. Uh, another guy I'm high on is Julius Welshoff, the sophomore from Germany, who's also gigantic. And uh, they raved about him when they were recruiting this guy. They said they felt like they got a steal. Uh, I, be- I tend to believe that if Don Brown, and it was Madison at the time, think that this guy's got it. Um, he's a sophomore now, definitely raw coming in. So he might not be ready this year, but just a guy to keep an eye on. And David Ojabo, I mean, he's our Ezekiel Anza, man. He could be the steal of our recruiting class. Um, do you think he'll see the field this year? I, I'm, I don't know. I wouldn't rule it out, but because of his position, the only reason I'm dubious that he would. Yeah. Um, yeah I like Julius Welshoff, a redshirt freshman, saved his eligibility, so he's back all 6'6 six, six of him. 
Um, yeah, Don Brown, and I don't speak partial tongue, so the other coach is a snake. I don't understand anything he said about him. My bad. Um, but yeah, he's good. Taylor Upshaw, if he's moving inside, I'm not aware yet, but he could play some. I mean, just Michigan is blessed at defensive end. I feel. I mean, no position group I feel better at where there's a where there is a battle for starting positions. I would have to agree, and uh, you know that'll take us into our next one. Let's talk D tackle a little bit here. Another place, not quite as wealth wealthy as the defensive end talent pool, but there are some names here. Um, starting at the top, I think one for Carlo Kemp, you got to start any discussion there. Yeah, and for me, I think Carlo Kemp is a lock. I th- he stays healthy, he really stops the run, and at times he really flashes greatness. Um, one four struggles to stay healthy. When healthy, is very productive, but I think he's going to get pushed this year. Um, no Brian Monet, no Lawrence Marshall. They're both gone. Aubrey Solomon transferred. All three of those guys played significant time last season. They like to rotate that position a lot, keep it fresh. So we'll see if Dwayne Ford can stay healthy. Um, Maisie Smith has a lot of hype surrounding him. Donovan Jeter's still in search of a breakout role. He might be hanging out with Ian Bunting somewhere. We haven't seen either in a long time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, I think this position's wide is is as as wide open as the running backs. Yeah, it's not really that deep, actually, when you break it down, because we haven't seen anything from Donovan Jeter. Like you said, he's on the yep. side of milk cartons. He can't stay healthy, though. But uh, I like to bring up a guy like uh, Mike McRae, who was injured, 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 and then came back and started that. I think it was just the one really full year as a starter where he was very productive. So uh, these guys could get healthy. The Luigi Valens and Donovan Jeters, they're guys that could get healthy and then just emerge very quickly. They're highly recruited recruited guys this would be the year for Jeter though because you're right Dwumfor had some trouble staying in the field he was only a sophomore though last year so it's too early to say injury prone um, when on the field can be very dominant um, he was only a three-star but he plays higher than that uh, Philip Paella I think is how you say it uh, should be I believe a redshirt sophomore this year uh, he's large and he's Polynesian like Brian Monet that's about all I know about him great hair I'm, I'm just guessing Yes, yes, he does have great hair. He essentially looks like the Rock's character in Moana, um, who I'm quite fond of. So, Great, great movie. Great movie. I sung those songs uh, without shame for weeks afterwards. Um, and you mentioned the other guy, Maisie Smith, and a guy that could move inside is Taylor Upshaw, which could be very interesting. I, If he can put on about 15, 20 pounds this offseason, he should. Maisie Smith, looking at this depth chart, has to play next year. <laughs> he doesn't have a choice. Yeah, and it won't be a spring battle, but don't forget Chris Hinton's on campus in the fall as well. That's true. That'll help a lot, but he's probably going to need to put on weight because he looked, yeah. looks more like a defensive end right now. Yeah, he will. But it's like, um, can you imagine all the nicknames we're going to have for Maisie Smith if he starts next year? Just, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a lob over the hoop. It is, but the pressure's on us to get it right when it's set up for you like that. So we'll Yeah, work. we can't swing and miss on that one, no. but I think, I think Maisie Smith is going to be one of the breakout freshmen of that class this first year. It's it's an easy choice, um, which is honestly unfortunate because you don't want to put that on a freshman, uh, but he's going to need to play. Um, And if Donovan Jeter can come back healthy, that's great. If not, you're relying on Philip Paya and and Taylor Upshaw for minutes here. Um, Man, we miss Maurice Hurst. Let us never forget him. Um, but let, uh, that being said, let's move on to another position that I have some serious concerns with after doing this, this exercise and breaking this down. Uh, and that's the linebacker position. Uh, we're losing Devin Bush, maybe the best, one of the top 
three linebackers. I, th I think I can easily say one of the top three linebackers to ever wear the maize and blue. Um, I think he'll be a top 15 pick. My favorite player on this last year's team. I don't know how you replace that, but let's kind of talk about that depth chart. It's very thin. There's experience at the top and where we're going to have starters, but it thins out with the quickness. Um, up top, Josh Ross is probably going to, I mean, is going to assume the Devin Bush middle linebacker role. That's he's going to be the Mike of this team. And the hits he laid down last year, it's no surprise to any of us. Um, next position is either going to be between Devin, Bo Devin Gill, Josh Uche competing for the Will linebacker. Viper, I think Viper's already sewn up, though. It's going to be Khalid Hudson. I can try to start as many rumors as I can about Jordan Glasgow, but it's not happening. Don't. Um, not, not while I'm on air. And then, But after that, it's Hassan Haskins, Cam McGrone, Jordan Anthony. Oof. That's yeah. Thin. Yeah, that is thin. Much like Manu Ginobili's hairline, it starts off strong, but it gets real thin as you go along. Uh, you said it. Josh Ross is going to probably slide in um, for Devin Bush at inside linebacker. No one's taking Kalik Hudson's job. For God's sakes, he's probably our best defensive player. Uh, that's a pod for another time because we could talk on that for a long time. But uh, he was certainly the emotional leader of this team down the stretch. Kalik Hudson will start. Jordan Glasgow will only come in when he needs a breather or if he's injured. God, don't let him get injured. Or suspended again. Or suspended for playing football, apparently. Um, <laughs> yes, it's it gets really silly, but this is where I think they need Uche to move back because yeah. it's going to be up to Gill and Ross to start. No Noah Furbush this year, which has been around and been very reliable in relief and just in pass rushing situations at times to just be a missile. I mean, not the missile of the caliber of Devin Bush. Uh, he's not no He's not is. a hydrogen bomb, but he might be. He's a little nuclear. So, <laughs> no, they need help because it gets really thin really fast, especially with the departures of Drew Singleton, players like that. It just – I'm very concerned for an injury. Like, if Devin Gill yeah. gets hurt, then yeah. Uche and Ross and they were going to be playing all the minutes. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if that happens, you're playing like you're, you're doing Band-Aids. You're doing patchwork. Um, and much like D tackle, I don't necessarily feel like this is competition for snaps. Like we need all these guys to play. Cam McGrone's going to play. Jordan Anthony better be ready to play. Uh, Hassan Haskins. That's why when we were talking running backs, I said, I don't hate the move to linebacker because you'll look at the depth chart, uh, and we need it. And coming in, we don't have a ton of help coming in, even for the freshman class. I know we're talking spring competition, but I think we got Charles Thomas. And then we got, uh, we got one more, uh, Anthony Solomon. Yes. Yes. So we got we got some help coming in, but that is that's that's razor thin there at inside linebacker and linebacker in general. So definitely something to keep an eye on there. To pray for the linebacking core because as deep as we are at defensive end, we are just as thin at linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's move to a positive uh, point there after that because the cornerback position is actually stocked and ready to go with a lot of unproven talent. Let's talk about that. David Long, gone. Blowing up NFL combines. Brandon Watson just got beat on another crossing route by Paris Campbell. Um, Laverne Hill is starting. Sharpie it, pencil it, tattoo it. There's no way he's losing this job. Ambry Thomas should be a lock at the other corner, but I'm not uh, quite there just yet. Other players, Benjamin St. Just, Miles Spider-Sims, uh, freshman Jalen Perry, highly recruited defensive back, four-star player. Uh, German and German Green, 
just because they're twins, I think it's really fun for no other reason than that. Sure. <laughs> Don't have a lot of tape on them at the hand, but, you know, it could be good. Um, gun to my head, it's going to be Ambry Thomas, but I think we see a lot of St. Just as well. I think he's a big corner. I, could see, I thought he'd move to safety. They seem to be still there. So I think we'll see a lot of St. Just. We might even see some Jalen Perry. Uh, this was one I was excited to talk about because uh, Devin Bush may have been my favorite player, but cornerback's my favorite position, and uh, we are loaded. And uh, yes, Brandon Watson right now currently uh, just got beat at buying the last pair of gloves at a Macy's somewhere by Paris Campbell. Yeah, for the rest of his life, Paris Campbell's just going to beat him in everything he does after that beating. Uh, but you're right, Levert Hill, that's in pen, that's in stone, chiseled. Uh, I like Ambry Thomas as the number two corner, but there are so many other options here. He could easily get beat. Uh, Vincent Gray is a guy that they were talking about last year, and I think he comes in and he's your nickel corner guy, and they seem to be very high on him. Not as highly recruited as any of the other guys we're going to talk about here, uh, but Vincent Gray sounds like he's going to see the field next year and probably has a Brandon Watson-esque breakout. Let's just hope the end of it is much better than it was for B-Watt. Because as good as he was all season, as much as we talked about, he got just eaten. But we're, we're focusing on the positive. Brandon Watson's gone. Um, St. Just sticks out to me just because two years ago when I was at the spring game, he was a true freshman and he enrolled early. And he played well. He was very physical for his size and was really pushing people around some. He got beat, but I like the intensity he played with. He reminded me of like Brandon Browner with his size. I think he's put on some weight since then. So I'd like to see him compete some. Uh, Spider Sims, all 600 of him. I mean, he is just huge. Um, I, I want to see how he translates. I haven't heard his name called much in practice. No, but it's early. Uh, I don't think he's really had much of a chance, but I like what you're saying about St. Just. Just as far as like an age perspective, he should be the next guy up. Has a ton of length, showed some tenacity. Um, I like his future there, but he's going to have to fight. And this is one of the most, as far as just pure competitions in the spring, this might be the most interesting one. Because you've got uber-talented guys with length and, and just absolute reach and the flexibility in the hips. The, the battle that I'm watching is Miles Sims and Sammy Faustin. Uh, eventually these guys are going to play. And you might throw Jamon Green in there too, but he could be a safety, maybe his brothers, who knows with those two guys. It's going to be very difficult for me to differentiate moving forward. We might need nicknames. Yeah, German Yeah, German and Jermon, like just one letter change. Like we need something better. Like Her mom did that. Their mom did it on purpose, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Maybe we can just like have them like switch pads or something, like switch jerseys in the huddle. <laughs> Just like stumble up to them, you know, drinking a, a white rush and just like, hey, you guys want to switch pads and model? How did you get access to us? <laughs> <laughs> How did you put on his pads? Come on, I know it wasn't you, just German. Just, I'm German. All right, German. <laughs> just do it. You know, be well loved by all. Yeah, and uh, Mike Zordich, back to your point, the secondary coach, is big on competition. A couple years ago, when Keith Washington seemingly had the job locked up, he called the unit soft, so they really needed to step up and play it. Loved it. Washington did like the criticism and left. LeVert Hill and David Long, iron sharpened iron, they came out on top and were one of the most lethal quarterback combinations for two years. So I think competition for this position is just inevitable. I mean, he will have these guys battle tooth and nail for this to see who the best corner is. Presumably it's Ambry Thomas and gun to my head, that's my pick. 
but it wouldn't surprise me to see just anybody out of the woodwork come because he'll put the best players out there. You said it better than I can, so I'm going to let it rest there. I was so excited to talk about that battle, but we don't know anything about him yet, so we're going to settle it on the field, and like you said, iron will sharpen iron, and I really expect that position group to be a position of strength just because of the, the breadth of talent there. There's somebody there that can start. I'm sure of that. Yeah, that's absolutely. I mean, chaining, even if you're just good at coverage skills, you don't have to tackle. If you're chaining struggling, you can just play decent coverage skills and never learn how to tackle like a tissue. Like, you're great. It worked for us for a while. Um, all right, so we're uh, we're down to the last couple here. The last big one, though, safety. Uh, we're losing Tyree Kinnell, who you said could have theoretically been the best player on the defense in our last pod, or maybe two pods ago. Um I, I did not buy that. I understand your defense, but there's no way you believe it either. That means no, no, I just I just say wild shit sometimes. That's See if you're true. listening. Shit's random. <laughs> it doesn't really have to have a point or have any genesis. Um, but yeah, we we lost Tyree Kinnell, and regardless of your thoughts on Kinnell and coverage as a run supporter and a team leader and a captain and a Michigan man, he was excellent. So we've got to replace him. Let's talk about that position group real fast. Um, this is the battle that only lasts in the spring until Dax Hill gets on campus and takes over. That's all, that's all this is. I mean, we're just delaying the inevitable. Dax Hill's that kind of talent. He's going to come in and start. But since we're talking about the spring game and spring battles right now, um, Josh Mantellis is going to be one of the starters. He improved by leaps and bounds last year, and he's going to continue to start. Just that's that's over with. Um, other, other safety, though, it's up in the air. I want us to see how versatile players are from moving from one safety position to the other because there's Brad Hawkins, there's Jameric Woods, there's Jalen Kelly-Powell. I mean, there's even names we've already mentioned at corner they could maybe move over. So there's a lot of positions there. But this position, replacing Cannell, is all about tackling. If you can't tackle, you're not going to play here. Um, I know Jameric Woods likes to hit, but he also likes to miss some tackles, which can really kill us. Hawkins has played well in coverage. I haven't seen enough of JKP yet to really come to any, you know, solid conclusion, so we'll see. But like I said, this is the battle just until Dax Hill arrives. That's all this is. Yeah, you are absolutely right. Uh, Josh Metellus is going to lock one of them up, though I think his motivation at times is based on circumstance. I think that he'll, he'll when he gives it at all, he's one of the best safeties in the Big Ten. Um, but when the stakes weren't high in, say, the bowl game, I really don't think he was giving 100%. That being said, he'll lock down one side. Um, I could see Brad Hawkins taking it, I think. In, in the first game, he'll probably trot out there. But he's going to battle it out with Jameric Woods this spring. And Jalen Kelly Powell's a guy I'm really, really pulling for. Um, so, the, I mean, that's a legitimate battle there at safety. One of the Green brothers could easily get in on that. Um, but then Dax Hill comes, and there's no way he doesn't see the field. But that doesn't mean... They're not getting him involved in some Jabril Peppers-esque way where he's coming in at Viper at some times. Like, you can move Dax Hill around. So maybe Jameric Woods locks it up. He's shown a lot of flash. Like, I'm pretty high on Jameric Woods' potential. Uh, he just needs a lot to, to lock down that consistency. Yeah, he's just such a raw player, but he has things you can't teach. And that's just that tenacity and just fearlessness to... Uh, attack plays with a reckless abandon sort of sense. It's that X factor. If you can just teach him some of the X's and O's techniques, how to do certain things, you know, playing with leverage, then yeah, he could be outstanding. But it's just a matter of if he can do that, and then compared to how fast Dax Hill comes in, because 
Dax Hill's bringing 4-3 speed and a lot of stars behind his name to be sitting on that bench. So our starting safeties by, what do you think, week four, Metellus and Hill? Yeah, lock it in. I like it. All right, last two. We'll touch on kick return or punt returner. There's going to be some shakeup here. I'm sure of it. These are tough to project because somebody could come in like Giles Jackson and just take it over immediately. Um, but right now, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones was returning punts for us last year. Do you think he's still going to be there? At punt returner, yeah, I do. He's very sure-handed, and he's an ex- um, he's a touchdown waiting to happen. Um, left Peppers back there his last year just because he's very sure-handed. Um, we know Donovan Peoples-Jones isn't going to fumble the ball like he did as a freshman year. took his lumps. And it's just another pos- another opportunity to put some speed in space. Yes, I mean, there's always a chance, like injury risk or whatever, but I've never seen anything too scary on a punt return with the kid. He's very smart, when to call a fair catch, what to do with the ball. So uh, as far as safety is concerned and possession there, I'm Donovan Peoples-Jones. I can't see anything else. I can't trust anybody as much as I trust him. Yeah, I like it. I like the comparison to Peppers because you know he'll make the right choice. And if you're making the right choice every time, you're not getting hit very often doing that. Yeah. Uh, you're either calling a fair catch, letting it go out of bounds, letting it bounce, or you're housing it. I mean, those are kind of the, the options with Donovan Peoples-Jones. I obviously prefer the latter. We were fortunate enough to witness one in person, and man, that was electric. Oh, yeah, that was oh, the one of my favorite plays of the year, and one of the most unnecessary spin moves in football history. Oh, man, he but hit God, the, it was gorgeous. He hit the B button with a lot of space around him, and I, I couldn't have been happier for it, especially oh, since yeah. we value that more than anyone. We were there for that one, but, oh, man, we're going to be there for a couple this year, but that's not the point right now. <laughs> no, it's not, but um, any other names you want to float for a possible punt returner? No, you're right. There's not going to be any. It's going to be Donovan Peoples-Jones. I'd be upset if it were anyone else. Kick returner, though, I think could be an interesting one because that's one where you're not going to get a lot of opportunities, so you want two guys back there that are just your most explosive guys. Um, so this is always a fun one to keep an eye on as it battles out in the spring because whoever emerges from this is an exciting player to watch at whatever other position they play. Say a Giles Jackson certainly comes to mind. Yeah, this is a very fun group, right? And this is probably one of my favorite to speculate on because you can theoretically put a Ronnie Bell back there, Michael Barrett, Ambry Thomas, Cornelius Johnson, Giles Jackson. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, just depth for days back there. Um, I still think Ambry Thomas, as of right now, is the fastest player back there. Cause I, we watch him in person. I've seen him on television, but in person he looks even faster. Just unbelievably quick. Uh, very good at making a uh, hard decision and cutting up field. Very decisive. Um, a wild card would be something like Dax Hill returning. We see, we've seen the speed flash and combine, supposedly a 4-3. If you have Dax Hill and Giles Jackson, a true freshman pairing back there. Goodness. That's a lot of speed. That's a lot of sauce, my friend. I love that. And, uh, yeah, Dax Hill, I mean, he's our Jabril Peppers. He could very well come in and be the fastest guy. You said the 4-3 speed. Um, maybe it's 4-4, but regardless, he's going to come in and be one of the fastest three guys on the team immediately. Uh, he's a guy that you want to get involved early. We just talked about the safety position. Uh, maybe Jameric Woods locks it down, and he's a safer option right out of the gate. And you want Dax Hill to get the ball in his hands somehow. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, you're right, though. Ambry Thomas is going to return some kicks this year. The dude is just too electric. I mean, he is lightning in a bottle. I'm a huge fan, and I, I, I want to see him get opportunities because he's going to house one. He hasn't got one yet because he's got, like, two called back, right? Yeah, Ambry Thomas got one against Notre Dame. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. He sparked the Notre Dame game. Man, that was a tough one. I picked up smoking again. 
<laughs> it's like you always talk about picking up smoking one time or another during Michigan football season. Yeah, it happens a couple times each season. <laughs> it's like, man, remember that time they drove in, they got stopped at a red light the way to Wisconsin? Ah, oh, damn Badgers, give me a cigarette. <laughs> Picked a hell of a day to quit sniffing glue. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, so it's not, not difficult for me to do there. But uh, Ronnie Bell makes a lot of sense. I like that pick. Um, he's explosive. There's no way he's going to be faster than Dax Hill and Ambry Thomas. There's just no way he's that fast. Because if he had 4-3 speed, other people would have been recruiting him. I think he's just yeah. got game speed. Uh, but it works. Whatever he's got works. Christian Turner, maybe. This will be an interesting one. Definitely one to keep an eye on. Always a fun one, too. Um, and maybe we'll get some some snippets here from spring. That's something they usually show is who's, who's returning kicks. Just give us a little something. Hopefully it's not a total submarine this year. Yeah, as long as Carson Barnhart's not returning kicks, I'm good. <laughs> Carson Barnhart. <laughs> we, we, have a, we have, I mean, so many people that I could just be pleased with. Chris Evans, even, people like that when he comes back. Obviously not in the spring, but back in the fall. But, hey, man, spring practice gets underway this Sunday, St. Paddy's Day. Yeah, so uh, keep a lookout on Maize and Brew. We'll have coverage of that. We'll have coverage of the Big Ten Tournament podcasts. Live stories, updates, recruiting, all of that, everything you need. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. Follow us on Spotify, however you want to do it. Reach out to us on Twitter. We want to have a conversation. Was our breakdown inaccurate? It wasn't, but we'll we'll definitely argue with you about it if you think it was. Any final... If it gets too personal, we'll just take it to email. You know, we're all professional matters. <laughs> I don't like what you're saying. I'm going to pause this really quick and delete everything that you've said up to this point because it's our podcast. <laughs> All right, man, any final thoughts before we sign off? Oh, God, I hope the basketball team gets their mojo back. I hope Charles Matthews has a healthy foot. I want Jordan Poole to drop 45 on Friday night. Please. Short shorts, great hair, and somehow pulls off that mustache. Well, that makes me more than a little uncomfortable, but all right then. That's going to do it for us. That's Andy. I'm Jared. This is Out of the Blue reminding you that wherever you go, go blue. (laughs) 